For those of you that don't know me, um, I'm one of the pastors here. Welcome online, Platinum. Glad to have you with us today. And uh, yeah, I, I want to start us off with, with, with a question. Have you ever had a situation happen to you where you're just like, how in the world did I end up in this mess? You know, you're going one direction and then something happens and then you're going another direction and you're like, it dawns on you and you're like, what in the world just happened? My life is radically different. What happened? You know, and I'm, and I've been thinking about as, as, as we're going to walk through uh, Genesis 4 today, I've been thinking about these, these times in my life where, where, where there was just this shift. And one of my earlier memories was, believe it or not, this is before I was a pastor, okay? Actually, before I was a follower of Jesus, although I still have had many messes. But one of the earlier memories of a mess that I made of my life was um, I started the habit of stealing. I actually I became pretty good at the art of stealing. It first became, you know, like a piece of gum. And then you have this thought, it's like, why pay for anything if you can get away with stealing a piece of gum? And then it was a pack of cigarettes, you know? And then it was stereos. And it was just like the adrenaline rush of the addiction of stealing something was just, it, 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 it was there until it wasn't. Until one day, I'm in a store. I'm doing the five-finger discount, right? <laughs> and the manager busts me. He's like, hey, I see you. And I was like, ah, oh. turned around and I, made, I ran right out of the store. He ran right after me. And I was with my buddy, Tony. We were, we'd do this a lot together. Tony was a good friend of mine. <laughs> and Tony went one way and I went the other way. And I kept running, running, running. And I ran right past a store that just happened to be, to happen to have a police officer walking right out of it at that time. And I was like, ah, and he hears the manager yelling at me. He's like, stop, stop. And then the chase was on. It was on. Who's going to win? You know, I'm running, I'm running across the parking lot. He's running after me. And I run across the highway. He's running after me. And I run across this park. And just right when I'm about ready to cough up a lung, and and I think he's, I've already, you know, because this guy was a little bit overweight. You know, I don't know. In the U.S., our cops love to eat donuts. You know, and I thought for sure I'd outrun this guy. And I'm there on the other side of this park going. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, bam. Yeah, this big guy tackled me right there. And he cuffed me and he stuffed me in his police uh, car. And 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 and, and reality was settling in. And, And and he took me into the police station. And there I am sitting there. And I know that my family has got to come and pick me up. And the shame that I was feeling in that moment was so unbearable. It's that first time, that collision of this, this idea like, I, I didn't set off to be a thief. I didn't think that was what was, my life was going to be, you know. But here I am, ruined my reputation in a small town, sitting in a police station waiting for my family to come. And I was broken. And you know, when I look at the headlines, and I just, especially in my own country, I think, what a mess. How did we get here? 
I mean, all the stuff with the, the, the confusion and identities and, the, and, 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 and all the stuff that makes the headlines every day, the, the mass shootings, like, what happened? How did we end up with such a mess? I've had relationships that also that I've been really close to and some circumstance or something's happened to where there's distance or there's brokenness and brokenness in the relationship. I've been in ministry for 25 years and I've seen what I thought was some of the best marriages and they've ended in divorce. How? What happened? Seen best friends become enemies churches that I've been to that seemed so healthy, but then something happened and, and they were divided. How's this stuff happen? All this suffering in the world, all this violence in our countries and the wars that, that are, how did this mess happen? How do we get in it? See, if we don't know how or where the problem started, we won't be able to experience the real solution. And that's what we're going to look at today as we walk through uh, chapter 4 of Genesis. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you that we are gathered here at imperfect people looking to a perfect God. Lord, your word is holy. So, Lord, help me step out of the way and help your word go deep within our hearts today, producing change, knowing that your grace is a lot greater than the disaster and destruction of sin. All for your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, we're in week four of our origin series where we're seeing God teach us about the origins of life uh, through the book of Genesis. We're seeing the origins of creation in the beginning God created, right? I mean, the power of God to say, let there be light. And there was light. You know, on the second day, the, 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 the sky and the seas, and the third day, the, the, the fruit-bearing plants and the trees and the vegetation, and, and on the fourth day, the sun and the moon and the stars, and, and, and on the fifth day, uh, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, and, and the sixth day, the, the origins of humanity, right? How God made humankind in our image, the Imago Dei. And first Adam, and then we see, uh, you know, that, that, that wasn't good for him to be alone. So he, so he created, whoa, man, <laughs> right? Woman, he created woman. Can I get an amen from the guys? Amen. amen. I heard some girls say amen too. <laughs> and then last week, we looked at the fall of humankind out of the relationship that, that God created us to have and, 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 and then was cast out of the perfect garden that he made for them. And today we're going to look at the story of their children, Cain and Abel. And we'll see how the progression of sin, how it grows, how it spreads. So we'll start off today where we finished last week, Adam and Eve eating the fruit from the tree of disobedience or the tree and disobedience to God and had been and they were sent out of God's presence and and now they're living outside the garden of Eden we'll pick it up for with uh, verse 1 chapter 4 verse 1 Adam made love to his wife Eve and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain and she said with the help of the Lord I brought forth a man and later she gave birth to his brother Abel 
So even though they had sinned and were kicked out of the garden, God still blessed them. He blessed them with children. And Eve gives credit to God. And as their boys grew, they developed these unique skills, right? And began to work. The verse says, now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. We have a, we have a shepherd. We have a farmer. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the, the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. So the shepherd, the farmer, and after some time, something significant happens here in this story. So they, they, they bring an offering to God, an offering to God. Now, these offerings were not within the sacrificial system that comes later on. These were simply an expression of thankfulness to God out of their own heart. It was worship, the very thing that we were created to do. And they, and they had that in their heart to give an offering to the Lord. But what happens next is, is what has, has a scratch in our heads. You, you, you probably didn't expect it. The Lord looked favor, looked on, looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain, he did not look with favor. And I don't know about you, but that's like, I remember reading that for the first time. That just, that doesn't seem right. Why? What's going on here? Why is it like that? And there are various views on, and people have various views on, 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 the, on why one offering was better than the other. But Hebrews 11 really makes it clear. Hebrews 11 verse 4 says, It was by faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith. By faith he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. So what does Hebrews say that made the difference? Faith, Right? Faith, faith, what determined whether the offerings were acceptable or not was not the offering itself, but what was behind the offering. That's what God cares most about. You know that? You know, we, we, every week we take up an offering, but it's not the offering. It's not the money that God cares about. No, it, it's the reflection of your heart that's giving. God loves what? A cheerful giver. So when Abel brought his offering, he did, he did so with a truly, uh, a truly thankful heart. One that was trusting in the goodness and the graciousness and the, and the provision of God. And it pleased God. But apparently Cain didn't. I don't know what was going on in his, in his life. If it was reluctant, he gave it in, uh, in a resentful way. But definitely he did lack the faith that Abel had. And therefore his gift did not please the Lord our God. So what's behind an offering matters most to God. And then we go on to verse 5. This, this did go well for Cain, obviously. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Anger and disappointment, uh, normal emotions. I mean, we can understand that. We all have emotions. We all have reactions to things. But the important thing, thing here is what we do with our emotions. And God, um, even here, is trying to teach Cain a lesson. And it's crucial that we listen to these next few verses here because God is trying to teach him. It's not, it's not having the emotions. It's what you're doing with the emotions. It's not the offering, but it's what's behind the offering. Verse 6, then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? And here's the teaching moment. If you do what is right, 
will you not be accepted? But if you do do, 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 <laughs> erase that. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you, but you must rule over it. God makes it clear. Cain, just do what is right. If you do what's good, we'll be good. You'll be accepted. But there's a warning here. Sin is ready for you. It desires to have you. It's like a demon crouching at the door, ready to pounce, ready to pounce as you go through it. That's what sin is like. It's always there, especially as followers of Jesus. Sin wants to trip you up, trip your testimony up. Sin wants to take you down. The devil wants to take you down. He's always watching us. You ever feel like that? You ever know that? I always feel like somebody's watching me. Yeah, it's true. It's true, isn't it, Dan? It's the devil. It's the devil. But God's always watching us as well. And since it's so dangerous... Desires to have us is so dangerous. Here's what you need to do. God says, you must rule over it. You got to rule over it. You must master it. And well, the conversation ends and it's, you know, Cain just completely misses the point of this lesson. And maybe you know what happens next. But in verse 8, it gets ugly. Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. You and me. Let's throw the ball around. And while they're in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Now, in a a world of so much violence, we hear, we see killing all the time. But this right here was the first time. Get that. This was the first murder in the world. And it's between family members. Murder wasn't even thought of up to this point. And yet that anger, that disappointment, that rage that was in Cain's emotions in his heart came out in violence, killing his brother. He didn't master it. And listen to the conversation God and Cain have next. Verse 9, then the Lord said to Cain, hey, where is your brother Abel? And he says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? As parents, we hate those excuses, don't we? <laughs> He's like, am I his babysitter? Is it my job to look out, you know, after him where he is all the time? And God obviously knows what happened, just as he knew what happened when Adam and Eve turned their backs on God. And he asked, where are you, Adam? Where are he, knew, he knows these things. He knew what was up with Cain and Abel. But unlike Adam, who blamed Eve... And Eve, who blamed the serpent, Cain, he doesn't try to blame somebody here. He simply just lies. Cain just lies. He plays dumb. I don't know. I don't know. And God, I can just see him as a parent. I know you killed him. Why did you just fess up? I can sense God just wanting Cain to to, to own up to his sin. And because he didn't, there's consequences. And I just, I feel that sometimes by the spirit in my own life. Like when I'm trying to make excuses for the mess that I've created, I feel like the spirit of the Lord is just like, own it, dude. Own it. 
You messed up. It's not about getting everything right. It's about serving the one that has got everything right. So it goes on here. Verse 10, the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you're under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. And when you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. So we see we see how sin, the progression, how we see how it, it spreads beyond disobedience to God. And now it's affecting human relationships. Before Adam and Eve, it was between them and God. And now it's between people and people. Sin, the progression of sin is devastating, destructive, and ugly. Cain is driven even further. He's now sent out further to a place with no hope of farming anymore. The ground is cursed and he will be forced to hunt and gather. He's not a farmer anymore. His life has been changed. It's like he's like, wake, he's, it's, it's, he's, got, he's got to wake up. How did I get in this mess? And he's going to be a restless wanderer. And Cain can't take it. It's like I couldn't take it sitting in that police station. Verse 13, Cain says this to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today, you are driving me from the land and I'll be hidden from your presence. I'll be a restless wanderer on the earth and and whoever finds me, they're gonna kill me. And you could just hear, you could sense the fear in his voice. It just got real. How did this mess happen to him, his, it's a death sentence. And you know what? It should be, shouldn't it? He killed somebody. He should die for that. That's the way the world thinks, right? But what does God do? What does God do? What does God do? What, what is his character all through the scriptures? He shows grace. Our God shows grace. He gives Cain something he doesn't deserve. He gives him protection. Verse 15. But the Lord said to him, no, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark. I don't know exactly what that looks like and neither do you, but there was a mark on Cain that no one, that, that no one who found him could kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod east of Eden. See, there's the ugliness of sin and the progression of sin. And yeah, I'm sure that, I'm, I'm sure, sure we get the message that, you know, murder is not okay, okay? We get that. But there's something deeper that is going on here in this chapter. See, this story is the origin story of how humanity ended up in a mess that it is in today. And the most fundamental answer to the question, how do families break up? How does divorce happen? How do kids get bullied? How, 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 why is there abortion? Why is there violence? Why are countries at war? Whatever mess we're in is because of the continuation and the spreading of sin. Whether it's our own sin or the sin of someone else, sin at its core is the, is the reason why we're in the mess, 
Every problem, every brokenness, sin has a part to play. Sin isn't just doing bad things like stealing a pack of cigarettes, stealing a stereo. Sin isn't just, you know, breaking the law, like killing. Yeah, killing's bad, right? But it goes beyond breaking the law. Sin is living outside of God's will for your life. I think that's what God wants us to hear. Sin is living outside. Are you walking in God's purpose and plan for your life? Or are you living outside of it today? It's choosing our way instead of God's way. Ultimately, it's the sin. It's sin that the sin is the rebellion of creation against the creator God. You see how it began with Adam and Eve and and just like dominoes, I don't know if you grew up playing dominoes or not, and I don't really care for the game, but I did like to stack those things up, you know, one by one by one, and then knock it over. And just even as humanity increased, in one rebellion of Adam and Eve, put in a chain reaction that affects us today. And just as Jesus did one act, that chain reaction also affects us today. So good question to think about as we're, we're, we're looking at somebody else's story of, of giving an offering and killing and these two brothers, of the, the, the farmer and the shepherd. The good question to ask us is not just, not, how do I say it? Not just how my sin is going to affect me or your sin is going to affect you, but how is my sin going to affect others? The very people I love, you know, if I'm if if I'm if I have a thirst for um, if I have a thirst for money, power, and sex, it's going to affect my family. It's going to affect those that I love, and even how I handle myself. It's going to affect my church. It does. Our sin affects more than just us, and so when you think about. Walking or being distracted and following the devil instead of God's purpose and plan for your life. You need to think about also, what is this going to affect those? How is this going to affect the one, the, the, the very people that I love? Sin is like a viral cancer. It just spreads. It, it spreads quickly and destroys so many lives. And the question is, if sin is this awful... I'm belaboring this point, but if sin is this awful, this destructive, this, this dangerous, do we take it seriously enough? Do we take sin seriously enough? We sure take cancer very serious, don't we? I've had many friends that have cancer. We do whatever we can. We pray hard. We, they, get, they get help. They get treatment. We take cancer. Very, this is more viral and more deadly than cancer. So listen again to what God said to Cain. Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. So think about how serious sin is. Don't play around with it. This guy named Ted Haggard that I actually knew from uh, early on in, in, in ministry, he's a former pastor of a large church in, in my country, the U.S., who eventually was, he was dismissed for sexual sin. 
He had a huge church, a huge ministry, was doing great things. And this quote comes from this man. And it's one of the most profound quotes that I've ever read before. Sin will take you farther than you ever intended to go. It'll cost you more than you ever expected to pay. And it will keep you longer than you ever intended to stay. So when he fell into sexual sin, it hurt a lot of us. Because we looked up to him. He looked, he was being mastered instead of mastering the sin. He was leaning into his flesh instead of leaning into God. And it cost him his ministry. Sin's dangerous. It desires to have us. God says you must rule over it. And fortunately, this is, fortunately, by God's grace, we can. That is what grace is. It's the unmerited favor, but it's also the power to say no to sin. To, to say no to the crouching demon, lion, devil that wants to take you out. Grace does that in our life. And because as terrible as it is, devastating, destructive, and ugly as sin is, and what it does, and how it ruins things, you know what it can't do? It cannot outgrow the beauty of God's grace. It can't do it. God's always bigger. This is not like a Rocky match where, I don't know if you're, we got any fans of Rocky the movie in here, but it's, it, it's not like an MMA match. It's not like a boxing match where two opponents, the devil and God, go at each other. No. God is so much more powerful than the devil. And he's wanting and he's desiring to display his power in you as you lean into him. It cannot grow. Sin cannot outgrow the beauty of God's grace. The ugliness of sin cannot outgrow the beauty of our God and his love for you. Even if you're here today and you are tangled up in something right now, you're in a mess. There's hope for you. Instead of leaning into yourself, leaning into what the world says, leaning into the counsel of the world, Leaning into God. There's freedom. There's forgiveness. There's healing. There's redemption. There's revival. I love how the psalmist talks about God's, God's grace is greater. In Psalm 103, he says, he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that, I like that, and all that is within me. Bless your holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And then verse 10, he goes on and says, he does not, God, he does not treat us as our sin deserves, nor repay us according to our iniquities there's no other god like this for as high as the heavens are above the earth so great is his love for those who fear him do you fear god it's the beginning of wisdom and it's the beginning of a relationship with him the fear is this awesome reverence for a holy god we are all messes and frail and weak our god is the strong one 
As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed all of our transgressions from us. And as a father shows compassion to his children, get that. You have a problem dealing, if you're a parent, if you have a problem dealing with how much God loves you, think about how much you love your kids. I don't have to think. I, if my kid ran out in the, in, in, in the road, I don't have to think about, should I save him? Should I save her? It's not even a thought. I love my kids so much, and my love for my kids pales in comparison to God's love for us. He shows compassion to those who fear him, for he knows how we are formed. He's not expecting you to be something that you're not. He remembers the last verse that, that you're dust. You're but dust. Just dust. All we are is dust in the wind, dudes. But when God breathes life into our messes, he makes our messes victories. He brings beauty from ashes. And he loves to do it. Just think about God's grace throughout Cain and Abel's story. Adam and Eve are kicked out of the garden because of their sin. What does God do? In his grace, he gives them children. Cain fails to give an offering in faith. What does God do? By grace, God reaches out to teach him how to live well. Cain ignores God and goes out and murders his own brother, then lies about it and refuses to take the responsibility for it. What does God do? Because of his love and his grace, God doesn't give Cain the consequence he deserves, which is death. And that's the consequence of our own rebellion. We deserve death. But that's not our God. Cain still complains that his punishment is too harsh and and is afraid to die. God once again, once again shows grace and gives him a mark to protect him. There's none like our God. And if we keep reading in Genesis 4, guess what? More grace, more grace. Read throughout the scriptures, more grace, more grace. The ugliness of sin cannot outgrow the powerful beauty of God's grace. So family, I believe what the word of God is sharing with us today that we, I hope we're grabbing a hold of. The word of God is teaching us today that sin and its progression is far more destructive than we can even think about. But God's grace and his love is greater than we can ever imagine. We've talked about two sons, Cain and Abel, today and all of their junk and the mess and how sin's progression and it spread, it spread, it spread. And I'm reminded of Romans 5, 20. It says where sin increased, grace much more increased. We're sinning, say when sin increased, grace much more increased. And there was a third son. He's not in this chapter. But he was born down the line. Yeshua HaMashiach. The lion and the lamb. The priest, the prophet, the king. The son of God and the son of man. Who was conceived by the Holy Spirit.
He was born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, died, and was buried. And on the third day, he rose again, defeating death and conquering sin. He ascended into heaven. He sits at the right hand of the Father right now. He's looking down on us with a smile on on his face because we are worshiping him. And he'll come again, and he'll come, and he'll judge the living and the dead. Are you ready? Don't be stuck on this side of your mess. Be leaning into God. The book of Hebrews puts it like this in in chapter 12, verse 24. He says, you've come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out vengeance like the blood of Abel. You get that? The blood of Abel crying out vengeance. The blood of Jesus today, we took of communion, is crying out forgiveness. It's crying out love. It's crying out hope for you in whatever situation you're in right now. He's crying out for your soul. And this same God, man, hung on the cross And the very ones who tortured him, he looked at and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The blood of Abel can't save us. The blood of bulls and goats can't save us. The violent blood of war can't save anyone. There's only one that can save us. There's only one that was pure enough and and holy enough That his blood applied to our life can save us from eternal damnation. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no way to get back to paradise except through me. My blood paid it all. It was perfect. It's at the cross where the worst of man met the best of God. So is what you're living for worth Jesus dying for today? Because we look at these two offerings. One was, ple- one was pleasurable to God and one was not. One that was offered in faith. We come to church every week and we, and, and we say, you know, come to church. It's good. It will help shape you. Get involved in a 242. I don't see you growing without a small community of people around you. It's important. Serve God. It's important. But that's not the offering God wants. He wants your heart. He wants your life. This is the offering that is pleasing to him. And it's done in faith. Faith in what? In your own strength? No, we've been there. We've done that. We don't have that kind of strength. We cannot come into the holiness and the presence of God. But the blood of Jesus is what I have faith in. I have faith in not what I do for God, but what God has done for me. And that's why I can, I can preach here this morning to you all, my friends, and say this is the way out of your mess. And you know what? You may have believed that before a long time ago, and you quit believing it. The same gospel that you believed a long time ago is the same gospel you need today. The blood of Jesus is crying out. And he's saying there's more. Keep following me. In faith, 
If you're here today and maybe you're new and you're like, who is this guy just shouting at me? I'm so sorry. I don't, I don't want to shout. It, is, it actually comes from a heart that wants to see. I want to see everybody be prepared for the coming of the Lord. I want to see our hearts made right. I want us to not take another week, a year, a generation. Oh, I'll, my life is going this way and then something happened and I just keep going this way. My friend Tony that went the other way, you remember me talking about him? I tell, he, he kept going. Shortly after I was in the police station, God got a hold of my heart and I gave my life to Jesus. And it changed the trajectory of my life. My friend Tony did not. He kept going and going. And sin ran its course in him. And it was one prison term. And I remember sharing with him about God. And he's like, yeah, I believe in God, you know, but he didn't. And then a second term, got in trouble again. He went to prison again. And through his brokenness, through his mess, he cried out to Jesus. And his life was completely changed. Do we have a picture of him? I brought a picture. Yeah, yeah, this was... Yeah. This, this was last summer, and I was preaching at a church, and he, I look out, and there he is. And he's like, <laughs> and, 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 and he just told me of his story about how God rescued him. And it was so beautiful. We, we just wept for hours and hours talking about the goodness of God. He's living for Jesus today. Today, you have the opportunity to live for Jesus don't push him off. And those of you that know Jesus, step in even more. It's all going to be worth it in the end. Amen. 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 Let's pray together. God, you're so good. The beauty of your grace overcomes the ugliness of sin, the devastation and the destruction and the mess that's either been brought upon us or we've created ourselves. Lord. We are all a mess in need of you. We're all fragile, deaf, dumb, and blind without you, God. But you are a God that has shown us you're all in. You want a relationship with us, Lord, and that you're coming again to reestablish paradise. And you're preparing us for that moment, that very moment, God. So, Lord, in order to see the beauty of your grace, we need to know the depravity of our own mess, our own sin, our own shame, our own guilt, Lord God. May we carry the heaviness, the gravity of our own depravity so that we can see the beauty of the glory of the grace that is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. God, we thank you for this moment. I hope I did not waste any time, Lord, and I hope that your word spoke deeply to my friends today, that today is the day of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.